Hey, this is Dustin, one of the pastors at Grace Bible Church. Thanks for tuning in to listen to one of our sermons. We hope that this sermon encourages you, inspires you, and compels you towards a closer walk with Jesus and one another. If you would like to learn more about Grace Bible Church, contact us or partner with us financially. You can connect with us at www.gbc.life. Welcome to our church family. We hope that you enjoy the message. Well, good morning, Grace Bible Church family. Uh, That was just some video clips of when Lauren was in Munilunga, Africa, loving on that tribe and those people, and that is the place that God has called Lauren to go. And she's not going on another missions trip. She's going to be setting up a tent, and she's going to be living her life with those people for many years to come. Ah, Man, Lauren's been on our team for five years here at GBC. Um, Those of you that have children in children's ministry have probably had the opportunity to get to know her on some level, and um, those of you that don't, you may not have ever had the opportunity to meet Lauren, but this is Lauren Hill. Um, She has a clear calling of foreign mission on her life, and God has made it clear to her that she is meant to be in Munilunga, Africa, and um, this is what we're going to tell you, Zambia is what it is, but Munilunga is a tribe in Zambia, uh, to be correct. And um, we, as the pastors and elders of GBC, not only do we affirm this calling, but we've seen this calling on her life now for several years, and we've kind of been trying to stoke that fire with her. And um, the Overland Mission team affirms that calling on her life. The people of Munilunga love her and can't wait for her to come back to live life with them and do ministry with them. And so we're excited, GBC. I don't, uh, at least in the years that I've been here, as far as I know, this is the first time Um, in the life of Grace Bible Church that we as a church family have actually sent a missionary into the field from amongst our family. Yeah. It's a big deal. And this is who we are. This isn't a a one-off experience that you're getting to have this morning uh, with just a random girl that felt called to the foreign mission field. No, we, we are a church that is committed to the mission of the gospel. And by the way, you've heard us say week after week after week, banging the drum, that we are all called to be missionaries. That's the ordinary call of everybody that proclaims Jesus as Lord. It's just, it's not a matter of if you're called to be a missionary, it's just a matter of where. And most of us are called to be missionaries right here in our regular rhythms of life with the people that God has already placed in our lives. We're learning how to just bring gospel intentionality into those things. For Lauren, she's going to be doing the same thing just in one of the remotest corners of the world. Um, God has called her to that place, and we're excited about that, and we're proud of you, and we are excited to get to be a part of your story. And this is a beautiful thing. This is such a beautiful thing. And, Lauren, you, um, in serving the years here at GBC, like you have been such a breath of fresh air to our children and families, and you have played such a central piece to what God has been doing in your mission field here and raising up these children to see Jesus at a young age and learn to, don't be, don't be getting all emotional, it. I'm holding it together up here. Um, you've been raising up like Jesus loving small children and preparing them for elementary school. And um, we're thankful for that. And we know that God's going to use you to reach this tribe um, off in the middle of absolutely nowhere Africa for the glory of God and raise up leaders and raise up children and raise up women. And God's going to do something great in you, and we believe that. I have no doubt in my mind, and we're excited to be able to partner with you in this mission. Now, you, over the last couple of years, when Ansley and I got back from Africa, we, we went to Zambia, spent time with our African missionaries, Jake and Jesse, and their team. We spent some time in Chipepo with Chief Chipepo, and 
and that tribe, and um, she's going to be with a totally different uh, tribe, totally different chiefdom. But um, in doing that, like Ansley and I continued to feel this, like, man, this Lauren is called to here. Um, and so we came back and started calling her Africa when we would see her. Um, just, you, you belong in Africa, Lauren, I feel it, I don't know. So she, she went and spent uh, two weeks on an expedition, which is just two weeks way out in the bush of Africa, living in tents uh, with other people just like you and me that said, hey, we want to go reach unreached people with the gospel. She did that for a couple weeks, came back even more excited, even more affirmed in her call. So she spent three months um, doing advanced missionary training, which is like Navy SEAL training for missionaries. I mean, she's learning everything from how to farm uh, African soil to live off the land to African first aid, which is dang near open heart surgery. You know how to do right now. Um, yeah, it, there's no hospitals nearby where she's going to be. There, there's no way to call an ambulance if something happens. Like, the only way out is by helicopter, and it can take as much as 24 hours to get a helicopter to where she is, where she's going to be. And so, yeah, they learn bush first aid out there. I mean, everything from sharing the gospel to reaching unreached people to learning some of the cultural norms of the bush of Africa. Like, it was an intense experience. And she came back, and I was curious, like, this is going to be the telltale sign. Does she still feel an affirmation of the call on her life after something like AMT that's grueling? And does the Overland Mission team, Jake and, and company, do they feel the affirmation that Lauren is called? Because not everybody that goes through AMT gets selected to be a part of the Overland team. Not only was she invited to be a part of the Overland team, they're sending her to one of their newest, most remote bases, one of the bases that Jake and Jesse have talked about. Ah, let's keep Lauren here at Rapid 14. We want to go out to Munilunga. Like, it, it's a base of great pride. They're not just allowing anybody to go out there. There is a specific call on Lauren's life to be able to live in the conditions like that. Um, for as long as she's called to live out there. And so the Overland team is excited to send her as are we. So we just want to spend a few minutes talking about it together as a church family today so you can hear what God is doing and so you can learn about how you can partner with it personally as well. So Lauren, after all that and your AMT experience, like what, what are a couple of the highlights at AMT? Because I know like you were really seeking the Lord. Is this what you have for me? And God really affirmed that calling in your life in some sweet ways. I mean, what were some of the most, like, electric moments where you were just hearing the voice of God saying, Lauren, I have called you to the middle of nowhere, Africa? Oh, man. I think for myself, one of the first things was, um, so our AMT class was actually the largest AMT class that Overland Missions has ever had with 50 students that were able to go. Yeah, and it's not, just so you all know, it's not just a bunch of like college-age kids that want to go do foreign missions. I mean, there's families yeah. in that bunch, husbands and wives and children that are, went through AMT school with you. Yeah, we had about three families um, with their little children. Um, and then with it, like we also had from 18 to 42 years of age of people in the age range for being there. That's awesome. Yeah, so. and so when you, were, when you were having this experience, I mean, you were going, you did multiple expeditions. You did multiple mm -hmm. training. You met lots of people. You were in villages. You were doing hut-to-hut -hut ministry. You were, like the pictures we saw, you were building relationships with these folks. Like what were some of the, what were two or three, like just the big highlights that like God gripped your heart and says, you are home? Oh, man. Um, so in our first expedition, we went to this village, um, and there was this woman who, during a night meeting, because we had gotten there late at night, so we didn't have time to go to any of the houses yet, 
Um, so we built a giant bonfire, and pe the people of the village just kept bringing more and more wood to add to it. But just curious, how long did it take you to get from where you were in Livingston at the, the main overland base to Munilunga? Oh, for Munilunga. Um, uh, to get to, well, to get to yeah. where you're talking about. It was uh, a long the trip. first place that we went, it took us about seven hours on a daft truck which was the giant truck that you yeah, saw previously the military truck. um where you're going sideways and you're turning and you're you're yeah. holding on because you're the thinking oh awful. we might be falling <laughs> off of this if you're even on a road yeah sorry um, i interrupted though oh, but you're so okay. you're um, but you're we, standing there with a bunch of zambians yeah, around a bonfire i think is where we left off this woman next to me her name's yvonne and I just go up to her and I'm just asking her about herself and I'm like, Kwasia Buti, like, how are you? And she looks at me and she's like, hello. And I'm like, oh, you know English, okay. Um, <laughs> and so I start talking to her and she just starts telling me about her husband and her son. And I thought that was the end of my conversation with Yvonne because some of the men and women and children walk miles to come to the bonfires. Um, and so... And they all brought their own log, yeah. which was cool. Is the communal environment in the bush of Africa is really neat. Like you having a bonfire, everybody brings a log. Yeah, it was a big bonfire, I it, imagine. Bigger than any bonfire you guys would see in a the bunch states. Of Zambians dancing around and singing, and <laughs> um, they have no restrictions on the fire size. <laughs> um, but with it, like. So we ended that, and the next day we were getting ready where we ate breakfast, and we got ready to go house to house. Um, and with it, like, we get to the first house, and I see, like, some men and women and children that I've never seen before. And then out of the house just comes this woman. And Yvonne. It's Yvonne. Yeah. And I'm just like, Yvonne, hello. Like, <laughs> good morning. Um, and so we're sitting there, and we're getting to preach the gospel to her. Um, and Yvonne just begins to tell us about how like six years ago, like her and her brother had gone to a witch doctor um, and they were given a potion that the witch doctor had made. And after that, like there was a lot of just demonic things that she had been dealing with after that. Um, and so we just asked her, can we lay hands on you? and Can we pray for you? Um, and Yvonne just looked at us and was like, sure. Um, so we got to spend some time ministering to her. And then afterwards, like, she also gave her life to the Lord. And so then the rest of the week, like, we continuously ran into her every day. Um, and Jake and Jesse had always talked to us about how, like, when you go somewhere, like, you're to reach the one. Um, and I had never fully experienced that until I met Yvonne, where I was like, okay, this is my one for being in this tribe. If I reach nobody else, at least I know I'm reaching her. Um, and so I continuously, like, ran into her, talked to her. And each day, like, we got to see the Lord just setting her free from something. And by the end of it, like the last day that we were with that tribe, like she was completely free of everything um, to the point where like she hugged me and wrapped her arms around me and like kissed me on my face. And that's not normal in their culture unless you're part of their family. Um, and so then like we have our last night meeting of that week and Yvonne stands up and she's like, I want to share my testimony of what the Lord has done in my life this week. Um, to which we're floored because that's what Overland wants is they want the tribe to be reaching their tribe. Like we're there to disciple and equip the people. And then they want the people to go and reach out even further. Um, so in a week, she went from being filled with evil spirits to being filled with the Holy Spirit to now preaching the gospel yeah. to her own tribe, just like that. <laughs> just like that. Uh, <laughs> so. um, and mm. Another moment that we had was, so we... Overland believes in praying for people for healing, and so we went into Songwe, which Songwe is right out. Y'all believe village. in praying for people for healing? 
Um, huh? I don't hear y'all. <laughs> um, <laughs> but we went to the village that's right outside of Rapid 14, where it's the ba- Zambian base for Overland Missions. And that's where Ainsley and I stayed yeah. most of the time we were there. Yeah. Um, and my friend Micah and I and a few other of my classmates like were like, okay, we'll go and do this for today. Um, and so Micah and myself got put in a group with some ministry partners, and we went to this house that there was this 92-year-old lady, and she was the sweetest lady. She was just sitting down next to their little fire um, because what's hot to us is cold to them. Um, and so even though we were trying to wear as few layers as possible while being modest in their culture, they were still freezing. Um, and so we went up to her, and she couldn't see us at all. Like, her eyes were glossed over. Um, and we're just talking to her, and she can hear us and understand us. And we're talking to her about Jesus, and she's like, I know who this is. Um, and so as we're, like, sharing the stories of the Bible with her, she look, like we just look at her, and we're like, we're going to see the Lord heal your eyes today. Like a 92-year-old woman, we're like, we're going to pray for you, and we're going to see the Lord do this. Um, so we lay hands on her, and the first time, like, we prayed over her, like, she begins to say, I can see the colors red and white. And so Micah and myself are getting pumped up because we're like, oh, we just want to see the book of Acts come to life. Like, it was something we had never experienced before. Um, And so then I was reminded of the story about how Jesus actually laid hands twice on a man for him to be able to see where the first time the man saw shadows that looked like trees that were moving, and it was actually men. And so we told this woman the story about Jesus laying hands twice on someone, and we were like, we're going to lay hands on you again, and we're going to see you see. Um, so we lay hands on her for a second time, and afterwards she's like, I see shadows because Micah walked from here to where the front row is from me. And he's like moving around and acting crazy, and she's like, I see shadows. And so I'm like, all right, we're going to pray one more time, and we're going to see this happen. It's going to happen. And we're like, we were declaring it. And we just go, and we start praying for her. And as we're laying hands on her, like, Micah walks away without her knowing. And he, like, then asks, like, can you see me? And she's like, I see him waving his arms. And so then Micah starts holding up numbers, and she starts replicating them back, being like one, five, like showing all of them. And so we're just sitting there um, floored by what the Lord has done in this woman because she's, she's 92, like like someone that you would, you're just like, wow, Lord, yeah. like what a blessing that is. Um, I believe the Lord still heals today. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it does. So, uh, but then I think the moment that the Lord shared it all about me going with Overland is um, so four of our classmates, myself and three other people, were picked to go to Munilunga. Um, and during my meeting with... How long did it take to get to Munilunga from... Oh. 15 hours, but it also took us two... In the back of a Humvee. Yeah, it took us two days. your back was by the time you got there. <laughs> Yeah. That's rough. It was, it was a rough time. It yeah. was squished together. Um, <laughs> we were just like, all right. Um, but, yeah, so I got picked for Munilunga, where my meeting with Phil and Sharon, who are the founders, um, they looked at me, and they were like, we don't know why we're interviewing you right now. They were like, you just feel like you're already part of the team. They were like, they were like, you know everyone, you know the ins and outs overland. Like, why, why are we interviewing you? Like, this is weird. Now that we've said this, like, we hope you're joining staff. And I was like, yes. And I, Phil was like, Munilunga. Like, that's where you're going. You're going to Munilunga. How did you feel um, about that when Phil's sitting across from you saying, Lord, Lord's calling you to Munilunga? Uh, and it, that is like not only one of the most remote Overland bases in the world, and they've got bases in the middle of the Amazon jungle, and like they exist to reach unreached people. So everywhere yeah. they have a base is like way off the beaten path. And Munilunga is like 
one of the yeah. furthest remote corners of the world. And how'd you feel when he's sitting across, oh. you know, just a girl grew up in North Carolina, oh. North Carolina, and now you're going to be out in the middle of no daggum where. I, I won't lie at first, like I was fighting the Lord on, okay, Lord, is this where you're actually calling me? Because a lot of my classmates, like the Lord was giving them places to go. And the Lord was just telling me, be content with where leadership wants you to go. Um, and so I was like, okay. Um, so we got sent on this 15-hour drive with three other of my classmates to Munilunga, and the Lord just floored me. Um, when we got there, so the leaders of that base are Brad and Kelly Russ. Um, and every morning they do morning devotionals, which they started off doing the devotionals with just workers who have been helping them build the Munilunga base. Um, and so they make fritters, which are basically like funnel cake, but in a giant ball, um, and milk tea, which has more sugar in it than I've probably ever placed in my tea before in my life. Um, but it's incredible because they sit with these men and women and they preach the gospel to them. And some days, like, it lasts for an hour. And some days, they continue all day. Um, they like having church in the bush. They, they do. They yeah. love it. Um, and so for us, like, we did this every morning where, like, we had to be up at 630 and the Devo starts at 7. Um, and so we just, like, we're like, all right, this is what we're going after. Um, but my favorite morning was there was one morning we woke up and Brad and Kelly just look at us. And they're like, you guys are going to go out into the bush today. Um, and they were like, and you guys are going to be going with some of the men and women that we've been discipling and pouring into. And they were like, and we want you guys to see, like, what, how they preach the gospel, like, and pour into them as well. Um, so we just took the moment where we were like, all right, like, if I'm here listening to them, like, I'm going to take the lower stature and let them preach. Um, and so a few of the houses, they would hand us stools. And so if you're handed a stool, it means, like, you're in the higher position, and so we would take our stools and hand them to our ministry partners, and we were like, no, these are for you. Which is local um, tribes people that, yes. are, that are learning to be missionaries as well. Mm -hmm. So Zambian, Munilunga yeah. people yep, so it's, are your ministry partners. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, and so we hand them the stools, and they're like, no, 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 like, you're the preacher. And I like, looked at them, and I was like, no. I was like, I'm a sheep. Bye. And I was like, you're the pastor. Um, and in their culture, like, if you refer to yourself as an animal, like, you're degrading yourself. And I was like, I just want you to understand, like, I'm, I'm lower than you in this moment. And I'm like, you're just as capable to preach as I am. Um, and so they would take the seat, and I would sit on the ground, and we would just sit there and minister. Um, and, like, we got to the point where, like, we were so connected with each other that, like, every gap was filled. Like, it, there was no quiet moment in between things. Um, and the first house we went to was actually mainly children and women. Um, and so we actually have a video of all of them. Roll that tape. Those are, those are going to be your kids. I know. I can't wait. Those are the, um, a lot of the, some of the kids in the Munilunga tribe, yeah. right? So, so, like, those are your then, kids starting yeah. in August. You're going to be loving yeah. on them. Starting in August. Um, but that was our first house, and I just started crying um, because that was the house that, like, the Lord really showed me the need for women's ministry and children's ministry where mm. that's just one house. 
right there. Wait, wait, what do you mean um, just one house? Where like a bunch of the kids, there was about four houses just where that area was. And just within four houses, those were the children from those four houses. Oh, my gosh. Um, and so your children's ministry is going to be off the charts. Oh, I'm, I'm excited for it. I'm ready for it. I didn't it. realize it was um, that big. Yeah. There's a lot um, of kids in Monilonga. There are Jeez. tons of them. So, um, is, so, I mean, is that, is that what you hear God telling you? It's like you're going to go to Munilunga and minister to the children? Um, so for Munilunga, like when I go there, it's going to be a mixture of things. So I'm going to be getting to do children's ministry, um, which I've just had a heart for for the past couple of years. Um, like I've gotten to do that here. Um, and I've loved it, and I've loved every second of it, and I've gotten to know the names of kids and see preschoolers who get to go home and they can tell their parents about Jesus, like kids that are four and five and three just saying, Jesus loves me, Um, and they know that, and they believe that, and they know it in their hearts, and getting to go into a tribe now and get to hear those children say, hey, I know that God loves me, Um, and like the children there, like when they know something, they tell everybody. Um, they're just like normal children here where like there's no difference in how <laughs> kids act. Like when they know something that's important to them, they're going to tell every single person. Um, and over there, the little kids go up to everybody and they're like, hey, like, did you get to hear this story? Like, this is what I heard today. Um, and so after talking to them. Yeah, because there's no video yeah. games and big screen TVs in the bush. No. So um, they story tell all day. <laughs> all day. And these, so let's give them a story <laughs> to tell, huh? These little kids, after we ministered to them, actually went throughout their village and went to the houses. And they were like, this is what we got to hear about. This is what we were told about. Like, and like, so they just created excitement amongst their tribe where they're like going door to door already, like basically gathering people for us. And we were just like, okay, okay like, they, they've already, like, paved the way for yeah. us. Um, Lauren, you're going to get to raise up children missionaries that are going to reach the Muni Lunga tribe. It's going to be great. Yeah. Man, this is, um, this is just extraordinary experience for all of us to get to be a little bit a part of your story. And we're so excited about what God is doing to you and through you. And we know that, like, in the years, Lauren's been on our staff team here for five years. She's been serving in our children's ministry. She's been making missionaries of your kids, um, showing them Jesus at a really young age. And now she's going to get to do it all the way across the globe. And um, it's just it's exciting to see. And, and we, we, as the elders of the church, affirm this calling on her life. We recognize that there is a clear calling for her to join that Overland mission team. We felt this way for a couple of years. And so this all is just affirmation for us to know that it was God telling us that Lauren needs to go and that's where she needs to be. And so today, she's going to be here with us for another couple of months, and, but plans on leaving at the end of June, I think, right, to go visit some family and stuff. And then by August, you'll be in the bush for life. Yeah, that's going to be a wild ride, and we're excited about that. And so as this is our, as I mentioned, like we partner with missionaries around the globe. We're very specific about who we partner with, but this is the first time as a church we actually get to send one, uh, one that has been raised up here, uh, a young lady that has had her leadership shaped and molded by the family of Grace Bible, who has had her view of the gospel and how it informs the everyday life shaped by the family of Grace Bible. And like, so this is, this is our team member right here, and we're excited to get to send her out uh, to do some incredible things. And so, yeah, go you celebrate her. Um, 
This is just a small snapshot of what it's going to be like over there is some of the stuff that she's sharing with you. But just so you know, to give you an idea of how remote Munilunga is, is um, she is six, six hours from the nearest convenience store. So to go get groceries is a 12-hour round trip. So don't forget to make a good grocery list because you ain't just going to be able to run down to the Publix and grab it because you forgot something. Like, that's how far out there they are um, reaching these people. But this is why Overland exists. Many mission organizations um, exist either in or near major, like, highly populated areas. Uh, many do because it's, it's easier access, it's easier to move supplies around, and there's a lot of people to reach, but Overland exists to reach unreached people. They're traveling incredible distances, sometimes by boat, sometimes by plane, sometimes by car, to, sometimes by motorcycle, um, just to get to places that nobody else is going to reach these people so that they can hear the gospel. Munilunga is one of those places, and God's going to plant Lauren right in the middle of it, living in a tent amongst a bunch of Zambians um, to preach the gospel with a team of other Overland missionaries as they start building their base and the permanent structures of the base, which is going to take time. Now, it's not a, a Coleman tent from Walmart. It's a, like a, a, a tent from like MASH. Y'all seen the old show MASH? It's like one of those tents. Um, but it's expensive, super expensive to do this kind of ministry. Let's call it what it is. Um, and so let me talk to you guys a little bit about what it's going to look like. Now, I know and understand that our church family is going to probably provide a large chunk of the support that she needs, but we are not under any expectation that we provide it all. As a matter of fact, we want to make sure that not only does she have a sustainable financial support relationship with our church family, but she needs to have it with a variety of church families all throughout the United States so that her ministry continues to be sustainable in the bush of Africa for decades to come. But here's the starting point. Let me just go over some numbers with you guys so you can be praying about if you need to partner with her financially and if you are, um, how much, all right? So here's kind of the big breakdown. There's a lot of little nuances to it. You can ask her questions in private conversations. Let me give you the overarching umbrella of this, okay? Uh, first thing is she's gonna need about $4,500 in monthly contributions, all right? These are people that say, hey, I wanna partner with Lauren. I'm gonna give $5 a month or $10 a month or $500 a month or whatever. Um, she's gonna need $4,500 monthly to get by out there. Now, that might sound like a pretty handsome chunk of change um, for a single girl uh, to get on a monthly basis, but let me give him an idea what some of that's going to go to. Um, you're paying about uh, $2.80 a gallon for gas right now here in the good old U.S. of A., which I'm pretty mad about, by the way. Um, <laughs> she's going to be paying well north of $9 a gallon for gas out in the bush, and as I mentioned, it's a 12-hour trip just to get milk and eggs. Um, not to mention traveling from village to village within this tribe. It's just, it's extremely expensive. When she goes to the gas station, she's going to have to load up not only her vehicle, but loads of tanks full of gas to be able to bring back to the base. And when you're out that far, gas shortages happen all the time. Let's just, let's just call it what it is. They get forgotten when the gas trucks are going from city to city because, man, who needs gas out in Munilunga? Everybody walks. And so it's going to be that, that monthly expense. And of that monthly expense, um, that takes care of food. It takes care of her, you know, 
specific needs that she has as a person, helps keep gas in the vehicle, et cetera, et cetera. That will be your monthly support. You would be supporting her and her daily needs uh, on the mission field. Now, there's a bigger number that she'll need just one-time gifts for. These are like one big lump sum uh, you know, gifts, whether you're giving $50 or $100 or $10,000 or $30,000 or whatever. Like, this is what stuff like that will go to. She'll need a total of $57,000 to get started. Now, here's the breakdown of how those, that one-time gift stuff works um, for those of you who are thinking about one time. Here's a breakdown. It'll cost about $8,400 for just for deployment costs, visas, airfare, insurance. Insurance is important when you're doing ministry out in the middle of nowhere because if she has a major health issue, she can't just stop by and see the doctor or call an ambulance. She's gonna have to call a medevac helicopter from a major city. It usually takes about 24 hours for those to arrive where she's gonna be. Um, so it's expensive to get the kind of insurance to take care of her health needs out there in the middle of the bush. And that $8,400 also covers some children's ministry equipment. You just saw a pile of kids that came from only four houses. We need to send her over there with a PA system so that when her children's ministry turns from 20 to 20,000, she's going to have to be able to talk to all the kids, um, to, to speak to them, minister to them, play music, whatever it is they're going to be doing. And that all falls within that 8406. Now, another one-time gift area is vehicle costs. It's going to be about 31667 but who's counting, um, to get the kind of vehicle she needs. Now, the kind of vehicle she needs, you guys see them all the time, driving up and down 27, these jacked-up trucks with mud tires and snorkels and winches on the front that those boys don't actually go off-road with them things. <laughs> uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, she's going to actually need a vehicle like that. Um, we have to, she's going to have to get a vehicle that has a lift kit, mud tires, a snorkel, a winch, um, bull bars, racks on the top, extra gas tanks. It's got to be outfitted to be able to be useful out in the middle of the bush of Africa. And so this is kind of a baseline price to be able to get something like that and to get it outfitted properly just so that she can get around where she's at. Um, it's going to take a vehicle like that. So somebody may say, hey, I want to contribute specifically to that or to the sound system or whatever. Somebody may say, hey, I'm going to write her a check for $31,667 to buy her that vehicle and outfit it for her. I know somebody can. Somebody may feel led to do it, so do it. What's holding you back? Um, I ain't doing it. Oh, not, you know what I'm saying? Somebody out there might do it. Somebody online might do it. <laughs> Y'all go ahead now. Um, so of that 57000 another kind of lump sum total comes in the form of housing. Um, like I said, she's going to be living in a tent um, with her team uh, and, and other single ladies that are on that mission base. There's two or three of y'all, right? Uh, three, but there's four of us total that are support raising right now. Okay, so yeah, and they'll be living in one of those mash tents um, for, for the next year or two, honestly, um, while they're working on building a permanent structure for them to live in, like a chalet that they really literally form the bricks out of the African clay. Like this is how they build their homes out there. They hire local villagers to come in and help build the mission base. You saw some of them wearing like jackets that said Overland Mission. That's some of the employees um, that come in and serve. And um, it's going to cost her about 17000 uh, to be able to build just a small one-bedroom um, hut out in the middle of the bush uh, that, that'll be sustainable and safe, you know, no matter what, what the weather may throw at them out there. So that's kind of the all-in total one-time gift figures. Now, again, 
Not all of you may feel called to partner financially, but I know some of you do. And I hope that as the Lord leads you to, he'll tell you uh, how to give, how much to give. Um, and, and I hope that your partnership with her will be sustainable. So for many years to come, she can continue to do this work um, that you and I aren't going to be able to go and do. It's just it's too difficult and too expensive to just take a short-term mission trip out in the middle of Munilunga. So she's going to set up shop and live there with those people for many years to come and raise up leaders and missionaries and pastors and teachers. And she's going to do this as a calling on her life. And we're excited that this is the beginning of something beautiful, and we get to be a part of it right from the beginning. I hope that you'll consider serving her uh, in that way financially, those that feel led. Now, on the way out, you'll get an opportunity to talk to her and one of the other Overland team members. They'll be easy to find because they're rocking their Shatangi gear. Um, that's what my bow tie is, by the way. This is a Shatangi bow tie. This is kind of a, they don't wear bow ties in the bush, but I bought one off a guy. <laughs> Say, hey, can y'all make me a bow tie? Our church would think that's cool. Uh, but they wear these Shatangi cloths. They wrap them around their body. This is kind of how ladies would dress. She's actually kind of dressed up for an African woman right now. They usually just wrap it around their waist. Um, but Lauren had somebody like make her an outfit out of Shatangi, which is pretty cool. But you'll get a chance to ask questions, sign up to be on the prayer team, uh, sign up to support financially. You'll get a chance to do that on the way out of here today. But Lauren, I feel like you're like my little sister, you know what I'm saying? I remember meeting you when you were a camp counselor for FCA, and I remember thinking, dang, we need her on the GBC team. And lo and behold, you showed up like two weeks later because Etienne... So, yeah, just so happened, two weeks later, I walk on the campus, and here's this girl, Lauren, that I saw at an FCA camp in another town, and she was joining our team. I'm like, what the heck? This is awesome. Like, Jesus brought you to us. You've made an incredible deposit in the life of our team and our families and our children for these five years now, and we are behind you 100% for what God is calling you to do next, and we are proud to get to be a part of being a sending church. Grace Bible, we've been telling you, like, we, we no longer measure success at GBC by our seeding capacity, we measure it by our sending capacity. We want to saturate the heartland with the gospel. We want to saturate Africa and wherever else the Lord leads us to partner with with the gospel. This is why we exist. And this is an opportunity for us to celebrate that today. Would you join me in celebrating Lauren? Now, Lauren, just, just so you know how committed people are to you, um, there's a man that lives in my neighborhood, a guy you've never met, um, but is so moved by what you are doing already that he, he does woodworking for fun. Uh, he makes frames and little wood things, and he's turned it into a mission, but he's been burdened to, like, support you when he sells his wooden stuff, um, this, this, the crafts that he makes, like this beautiful picture frame here. Um, and so he, our neighborhood is known for their, um, what you call it, uh, garage sales. Um, so he, for their garage sale this year, they decided to set up a tent out on their driveway and he put all of his beautiful craft for display. People came by, bought all of his stuff and he wanted to commit all of the proceeds to the work of ministry. So you're starting out this journey with $1,100 from people you don't even know. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? Um, and what's cool, we, we talk about how the call to mission is the ordinary call for all of us. It's not an extraordinary call just on Lauren's life. It's an ordinary call of everybody that declares Jesus as Lord. Let me give you an idea. Not all of us are called to go to the bush of Africa. Some of us are 
called to stay here in our neighborhoods and in our jobs and in our relationships and just start approaching them with gospel intentionality. Well, here's how that guy did it. This is kind of a double whammy. Not only did he raise money for you, but he's turned his his um, woodworking into a mission as well. And this is how he does it. He knows he's not going to, you know, it'd be kind of weird to just ask everybody that comes into his tent if they know Jesus. And now he obviously has those conversations when the opportunities present itself. But he started putting on the back of his stuff, he started putting this uh, statement that I think is really cool. He says, I love to work with reclaimed wood. It reminds me that our lives are many times battered, bruised, and have holes in them. But when we come to Jesus, we are made useful again. And although some of the bruises and holes still appear, we are made beautiful in his sight. Isn't that a great opportunity to like, turn an ordinary thing into mission? And so, Lauren, I want you to go down there with some of your crew, of the ones I hear hooping and hollering over there. Um, and y'all gather around her, lay hands on her, pastors and elders, or anybody that's around in this vicinity. Or maybe you want to walk across the room to pray over her. That's fine. Let's just lay hands on her as, as, as I pray over her, um, and we will um, begin to send her out. We'll get to hear again from Lauren uh, probably toward the end of June, so stay tuned for that before we send her out for real, for real. And Lord, in the name of Jesus, I just pray that your spirit that you've placed within, within her would be her courage and her wisdom and her zeal. Lord, that you would give her a heightened sense of awareness of the needs of the people around her, Father, that you would raise up in her just the mighty missionary that you've called her to be, that she would raise up dozens, hundreds, thousands of children that grow up declaring Jesus as king, that even those children would be the missionaries that reach the Munilunga tribe. Lord, you have a lot of resources. And I know that you're going to meet every financial need that she has. I know that you are the one who can provide her healing and safety while she's out there. I pray for her health. I pray that she never has to call a helicopter. Lord, I pray that you would take care of every need that she has, that she would have decades of gospel ministry as she becomes a mother in the tribe of Munilunga. Father, have your way in her, Lord. We send her out and commission her in the name of Jesus as we just offer her to you, knowing that she has been yours all along, and you're the one that's going to use her, and you're the one that has appointed her for such a time as this. Father, have your way in her. We thank you for gifting her to us for the season that we've had her. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. Now, Lauren, just to wrap up this little time that we've had together before, I'm going to do a short sermon after this that kind of goes along with what we're talking about. Just as a surprise to you, um, I got in contact with the lead missionaries that are out at the Munilunga base, and they sent me this video to try to encourage you as you prepare to join them in Africa. Uh, Lauren, we want to take a minute and talk straight to you, tell how much we love you, how much we miss you, let you know how much of an impact you made, not only on us while you were here, but also on our, our key disciples, our leaders that we're training up over the past few years. There's a lot of work to be done on this side. There's a lot of ministry efforts that need to happen with you involved. We, we need what you have. We need what you bring to the table, your light, your love, the joy that you bring. You're always smiling, that energy. Uh, we know our team has been asking for it to come back. And so we just want to encourage you, work hard. Uh, we love your passion for kids' ministry. We love your passion for women's ministry. And just in general, the, the, your willingness to preach the gospel to the lost and broken. Uh, there's a lot of that out here. So we just want to take a minute and encourage you, tell you, work hard. Fundraising is not an easy task. But we know that you serve a big God, that the Holy Spirit is working powerfully in you, and we can't wait to see you back this side uh, as quickly as possible.
Yeah, we are so eager for your return. I know I am. We just can't wait to see what God is going to do in your life, Lauren, what the Holy Spirit is going to do in you and through you to the people around you once you get here on the ground. Just remember, we serve a big God, like Brad said. He is amazing. His love never fails. He will always be there for you no matter what, Lauren. And just remember that God will never call you to something that he doesn't have the ability to provide everything you need to make it come to pass. Yeah. Uh, our conversation in the, in the scriptures today is going to be obviously a bit shorter than what it has been, but open up your Bibles to Acts chapter 11 as we kind of continue the conversation. I wanted to start the conversation today, and this is going to be a two-part discussion that we're going to have in this certain section of scripture that we will continue the week after Easter. Um, so I've just been praying that this would prick your heart because I know that God has something to say to us in these few verses. That's why we're going to break it up into two weeks. But um, just so you know, like this, this sermon and a lot of the stuff we're going to talk about in this sermon, just want to give credit where credit's due, was inspired uh, by a pastor that we really admire that's doing mission, has a missional church out in the middle of Las Vegas, Nevada. His name's Vance Pittman. Um, and I heard him preach this sermon, as did some of our other pastors, and I was so moved by it that I, mean, I started taking notes. And so some of what you're going to hear us talk about this week and the week after Easter was inspired by his teaching. But just so you know, like, as you're finding Acts chapter 11, um, towards the end of Jesus' ministry, he, he did ministry here, boots on the ground, for three years um, with his apostles, roughly about three years. And then after his death on the cross... Uh, shortly thereafter, there was a resurrection. Three days later, we're going to celebrate that next weekend. Um, but he spent about 40 days walking the face of the earth, and there were hundreds and hundreds of eyewitness accounts of people that saw Jesus, heard Jesus teach, ate a meal with Jesus. Truly, the one who had been crucified publicly had now risen publicly, and everybody saw him. There was no mistaking that Jesus was alive. And that's good news. We're going to celebrate all that next weekend. But even after all of that, like when Jesus ascended into heaven, he told his disciples, he had told them, I want you to wait in Jerusalem. Don't go anywhere yet. I want you to stay here, and I want you to just pray and pray and pray until I send my Holy Spirit. And so Jesus ascends into heaven. There was about 120 disciples at this point, and they gathered together in a private room, kind of locked away from the world, probably terrified for their lives because Jesus had just been crucified, and they were next. So they're hiding, they're praying, and then the Holy Spirit comes upon them on Pentecost, and these 120 people start speaking in languages that they didn't know, but everybody listened and heard their own language, and the gospel went forth for the first time. 3,000 people got saved at Pentecost in an instant, and it was just a powerful birth of the Christian church that happened right there in that moment. Started with 120 people, and within six months, the Church of Jesus Christ in Jerusalem had grown to about 100,000 people. Within the next 50 years, right by the time we get to the end of the first century, the Church of Jesus Christ was at about half a million people. This was a wildfire, gospel, radical, changing everybody's lives kind of movement. And it began with 120 folks. They were just filled with the Holy Spirit that believed what Jesus said, and we're willing to say, Lord, you can use me however you want. And God used 120 to turn it into this radical movement, which, by the way, we've got probably three or four times the 120 that are sitting in this service right now. Over the course of this weekend, 10 times at least of 120 will be hearing this sermon and seeing this come alive in the Word of God. Just imagine, just imagine if 1,200 of us truly believe in the words and work of Jesus, recognize that the power of the Holy Spirit within us 
was meant to do the work of mission through us. Just imagine like if, if this 1,200 people who believe and follow Jesus with their lives became 100,000 people right here in the heartland in the next six months. Just imagine. He's done it before. Could he do it again? With 10 times the amount of people he started with in the beginning, could he do it? He's already placed us everywhere. He's already put us in every village, every neighborhood, every workplace, every grocery store, every friend group. We're, we're everywhere, GBC. Could he use us to do that again? And I know that the Lord has done great movements of the gospel all throughout history. Ones that all too often kind of like get, um, get kind of credited to certain personalities. You know what I'm saying? And great personalities, you know, like Billy Graham or Martin Luther or Peter and James and John or Paul. Like oftentimes, like they get credited to these names. Like, man, these people led these big movements. It was amazing to see what God did through so and so. And like it leaves like the other several million of us sitting back wondering, like, can God really use me? I mean, I see how God's using people like Lauren, and I, I see how God's used people like Billy Graham, but like, I'm, I'm nothing like that. Like, if God really used me? I mean, I've, I've never preached a sermon before or led a Bible study, or I've never even had backstage passes to a Christian concert before. Like, can God really use me? I'm nobody, you know? And the Christian celebrity culture of the U.S. of A. doesn't make it any easier. Every time God does an extraordinary, wonderful thing, we give credit to some Christian personality, and we all run out and buy their book, and we tell our friend, man, did you hear about so-and-so's new discipleship strategy? Man, we need to order the whole kit. They're selling it for only $550. Or, man, did you hear so-and-so speaking at such-and-such -such a conference? Man, we don't want to miss that. And, like, we ascribe all these great moves of God to, like, some personality somewhere. And all the while, many of us sit back and think, gosh, man, if that's how God uses people, then can God possibly use me? You know what's cool about this passage of Scripture we're about to look at is this was the beginning, in my opinion, of the greatest gospel movement in Christian history, Acts chapter 11. This was the beginning, the birthplace of it right here. The greatest gospel movement in Christian history happened right here. And the only thing the Bible tells us about who was responsible for launching this movement, the only thing the Bible tells us about these people is that the Bible calls them them. No famous people. No big names that echo throughout history. Just them. Check it out. Acts chapter 11, starting in verse 19, it says, Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch. Say Antioch. They, these, these Jewish Christians now, who is scattered from Jerusalem because of the death of Stephen, it says that they spoke the word of God to no one except for who? Jews, other Jews. But there were some of who? There were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch began to speak to the Hellenists or the Greeks or the Gentiles, the people who weren't Jews. Also, they were preaching the Lord Jesus, and the hand of the Lord was with who? Them. And a great number who believed turned to the Lord. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch, and he came and saw the grace of God, and he was glad, and he exhorted who? Them. 
All to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose, for he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord because of them. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he had found him, he brought him back to Antioch, and for a whole year they met with the church of them and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. Now, Dustin, why would you say like this was the beginning of the greatest movement of the history uh, in, in all of Christian history? Like even didn't this gospel movement ultimately begin back in Jerusalem and it was the Jewish Christians that ended up in Antioch? Uh, wasn't that the beginning of the greatest movement? Uh, yes and no. This is why I call this specific moment in history the beginning of the greatest movement in Christian history. I'm going to give you three reasons. Again, this is just setting us up for a conversation we're going to have on the other side of Easter. But here's reason number one, all right? Reason number one is this was the first church that was planted amongst Gentiles. The first church that was planted amongst Gentiles. Okay, here's why this matters. Okay, raise your hand, any of you who consider yourself Messianic Jews or completed Jews. In other words, you grew up Jewish, and then at some point in your life, you realize that Jesus was king, you confessed him as Lord, and so you are a Messianic or completed Jew. Hands up, let me see you. Where you at? Where you at? That's about what I thought, right? Did I, did I miss any hands? All right, say amen. All right, if no, say amen if you're a Messianic Jew. <laughs> yeah, thanks for saying amen anyways. Uh, okay, that would be a big offer. Uh, now, we do have some Messianic Jews in our church family, and I praise God that the Holy Spirit broke into the hearts of Jews and brought them to Jesus. Would you just join me in celebrating that God broke into the hearts of Jews and that we have Christian Jewish brothers and sisters around the world? Yeah. Okay. So this is why it matters that the first Gentile church was planted, because if you aren't Messianic Jew, then that makes the rest of us Gentiles. Like, if you're a Messianic Jew and you're watching online, like, you draw your faith back to the origin of Acts chapter 2. This is where, this is where the gospel first broke into your people. This is where the church had been established for your people all the way back in Acts chapter 2. But we as Gentiles, we draw our faith back to the roots of Acts chapter 11 when for the first time in history, the gospel was being preached to Gentiles and they set up a church for people like us. This is why it matters. This is why I call this the beginning of the greatest. There have been a whole lot more Gentiles give their life to Christ throughout history than there have been Jews because there's a whole lot more Gentiles. It's just how it works. And so this began back in those days. This is the first church planted amongst the Gentiles. Guess who planted this church amongst the Gentiles and began the greatest gospel movement in Christian history? Guess who did it? Just them. It was just them. Nobody got credit. Nobody got named. It was just, just them. That was it. All right, that was the first reason. The second reason, this is the first group of Jesus followers that ever got called Christians. The first group ever. Uh, how many of you in this room um, would consider yourself a Christian? Just say amen. amen. Okay, now, not only do we consider ourselves those that are Christ followers, we consider ourselves Christians. We don't mind announcing that. Um, without hesitation, you said Amen. Um, we kind of wear Christian as a badge of honor, like this is a family that we belong to. But that's not the case for the first believers of Jesus that landed at Antioch. They just consider themselves follower of the way. They followed Jesus. That was it. They didn't call themselves Christians. It was people in town that weren't followers of Jesus started calling the followers of Jesus Christians. You know what that tells me? 
for the first time in Christian history, though this religion was brand new, following Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life, like for the first time in history, there was a group of people that were so radically committed to the work of the gospel and allowing the Spirit of God to display his radical love for the world around them that people in town started calling them them Jesus people. They're like, man, you know them Jesus people, they, always, they act like that Jesus guy that we always hear about. And they got this nickname, Christians, and it's stuck, and it's still stuck. It's still what we go by. And that all started Acts chapter 11 in the days of Antioch with a bunch of, guess who, Gentile people. And their name was just them. That's it. Nobody famous, just, just them. Regular old folk doing regular old stuff for the glory of God. A second reason. Third reason why this was the birth of the greatest gospel movement in Christian history. The third reason, we got to witness it today. This was the first city and the first church that ever intentionally sent missionaries out. Ever intentionally, uh, intention, intentionally sent missionaries out. Now, now, wait a second, Dustin. Like, Didn't all of them come to Antioch from Jerusalem? Weren't they sent out from Jerusalem and they were now in Antioch? making disciples in Antioch? Um, yes and no. Like, they arrived from Jerusalem, but they didn't get sent out by anybody but the hand of God. As a matter of fact, these Jews that had now become Christians were running for their life, and they ended up in Antioch. This wasn't an intentional strategy. It was God's plan, but it definitely wasn't their idea. They were perfectly comfortable in Jerusalem with 100,000 other believers. But this is the first time the people of God got together, put their heads together, and started to pray and said, you know what, like we need to intentionally send missionaries out to let the world know, to go speak to people that we don't get to speak to in our everyday ordinary lives. And so by the time we get to Acts chapter 13, they send out Barnabas and Paul. Guess who came up with the master strategy of sending out these missionaries to saturate the world? The same kind of strategy we use 2,000 years later. Guess who came up with that? Just them. Just them. None of them were ever given a name. None of them are ever applauded. Not a single one of them even got a book deal in the New Testament. It was just them. Regular old cats like you and me that were so in love with Jesus and they loved one another, man, and they loved their city. They began to have a burden for Antioch. And it was just them. Like you and I, um, chances are we're never going to write a number one best-selling book that's going to reshape the culture of Christianity in America. We may never get to be a keynote speaker at a big conference somewhere and have our names on a billboard. Heck, you may never even end up leading a Bible study in your lifetime. But like, though we may never be able to be Billy Graham or Martin Luther or Peter or Paul or Barnabas, like, we can still be them. We do being just them pretty well. Because just like them, we share a love for Jesus, a love for one another, and a passionate love for the heartland. Because we want to see these people that God has placed in our world, our family and our friends and our neighbors and our relationship, we want to see them come to know Jesus the same way that we have. Grace Bible, did you know that Jesus was, he saved you because he was so in love with you. Those of you that are Christians, like he, he rescued you and saved you because he was so in love with you. But guess what? He also saved you because he's so in love with the people around you. 
the people around you. And so he rescued you. You may be the first Christian in your family or the only Christian in your workplace. Pretty clear indication that God stuck you there. You may be one of the few Christians in your friend group, if not the only one. Pretty clear indication that God stuck you there because he saved you because he loves you and he saved you because he loves them. And he planted you right amongst them to be a missionary in the everyday, ordinary stuff of life. Maybe it's as simple as turning a hobby like woodworking into a gospel opportunities. Who knows? All I know is I don't make a very good Billy Graham, but I make a pretty good just them. I do that, pretty, I do that every day. I'm just one of them. And as are you. And God's call on our life is to, just like them, be willing to invite the Lord to use us right where he has placed us. We're going to talk a little bit more in a couple weeks about some of the specific things that just them were doing to reach their city. But as we begin to move in that direction, you just be praying and just invite the Lord to use you as, you, as he sees fit. He'll show you the way. Trust in him because he wants to use you just like he used them. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your love for us. I thank you for, I thank you for the Christian celebrities throughout history, like Martin Luther, who have just incre- had incredible influence on the kingdom of God uh, the, here on earth. God, but I really thank you for them, those who are willing to just say yes, even though they were ordinary, not impressive, not talented, just regular people doing regular things, going to work, loving their family, and yet you use them to spark something that is still going today. Lord, would you use this church and these people to spark a gospel movement that still goes for generations to come? You've done it before. You can do it again. And I offer us to you. In the name of Jesus, we pray.